My name's Hugh, I'm one of the uh, pastors here, and it's great to see so many faces, those who've been away and doing various things, and some new friends. Great to have you with us. At the training yesterday, we had someone coming from one of our partner churches to do that, and you had to share your testimony, and they say someone else's name. But people from our church didn't even know each other's names, because we've had uh, so many people join us in the last uh, few weeks, and it's great to have you with us. Um, isn't it great how many kids we've got? just, uh, it provides wonderful challenges, um, and I need to think about where they go out before the service, just to make space for what God's doing, and so that they can hear about Jesus, but um, we will let you know what's going on with that. Um, I just want to share some facts about you for a moment, are you ready for that? So I want to tell you about your skin. <laughs> Did you know that spread out the human skin can cover the floor of a one-person tent? You didn't think you were going to hear that at church, did you? <laughs> um, you have about 10,000 human cells, and about 10,000 human cells can fit in the head of a pin. And you'll, it's just a glorious day, isn't it? Intestines. <laughs> Stretched out, your intestines would be about the same height as a three-story building. There you go. You can't say you didn't learn anything at church today. Blood vessels, or brains, hold on, brains. If you spread out your brains, they would be this part the size of a pillowcase. Sleep well tonight. Blood vessels. If you lined your blood vessels up, spread them out, apparently they would wrap around the world about two to four times. That is phenomenal, isn't it? Um, if anyone wants to debunk me and tell me that's rubbish, you may do so. Okay, I'm, not, I'm not standing by the scientific accuracy of all of these, but I have checked them. A few more facts for you. You're going to be taller in the morning, because gravity is having its effect on you right now. Your heart beats about 100,000 times a day, which is about 2,000 gallons of blood through the body, which is about 36 million beats a year and about 3 million beats in your lifetime. That's amazing, wouldn't you say? You can produce enough saliva to, <laughs> to fill two bathtubs a year. Wow. Every second, 2.5 million new red blood cells are released from your bone marrow to repair what's gone. The average human adult has two to 4,000 taste buds. Do you have taste buds in your nose? I don't know. There you go. Maybe don't do that. Your, your body has more than 600 muscles. Your jaws the strongest. Anyone know the weakest? Your inner ear is a muscle there. Your skin has a thousand different species of bacteria on it. And it renews itself, your outer skin, every 28 days. Can someone say, wow? wow. You have between two and five million sweat glands. Your nose can recognize a trillion different scents. That's an estimate. Human teeth are just as strong as shark teeth. That is astounding. Would you agree? Can you say, wow? There you go. It, as my daughter would say, it's pretty mind-blowing, isn't it? But do you know what all of this means? It means that you are not God. You are measurable. God is not measurable. You are limited. He is not limited. As amazing as these are, and I'm sure there are different facts that blow your mind in different ways about the earth and creation. I've just talked about you. I think those facts are astounding. But all the wonder of that declares that you are not God. You are measurable. And you are limited. God is not because he is infinite. Can you say infinite? To infinity. 
He is infinite. He is limitless. He is unending. He is everlasting. And He is immeasurable. Can you say immeasurable? So today is part two of our God is series. We're taking, I don't know how many weeks it is, maybe eight, nine. And we're looking at things that are true about God and God alone. We call them the incommunicable attributes about God. I think the greatest challenge for Christians and the world around us is that our view of God is too small. Back in the days, people thought God was big and overwhelming and maybe missed, not everyone, maybe missed some of the grace and the mercy of God. I think these days we've come to know and hold the grace and the mercy of God. But maybe we've just lost the grandeur and the wonder and the awesomeness of God. When you read the Old Testament, you see pictures of smoke and reverence and awe and shaking and trembling when God was in the house. And now God lives in you if you're a Christian by the Holy Spirit. And all that wonder and that glory and that power is true. Somehow we miss it. So today is part two of God is, and we are looking at his incommunicable attributes. So if you look at this table, people try to, so we're measurable, and so we try to get our head around God, and people generally have two lists when they're trying to describe God. So there's communicable attributes, things that we can know, and actually that we are called to reflect God in. God says, be holy as I am. Holy. There are things that God has described as that we can be like. But then there are some things that just God is and we are not, which is the list on the left. God is infinite. He's incomprehensible. He's self-existent. He's self-sufficient. He's eternal and so on and so on. And we are going through some of those just to give a big view of God. Because we agree with A.W. Tozer who says that what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about God. You. What comes into your minds when you think about God is what's the most important thing about you. So we're going to have a one minute video. I just got some music. I just want you to think about God and his infiniteness before we dive in any further. I wonder if someone could grab the lights from me at the back, please, Coralie. Just a minute. Do what helps you think about God being infinite. Endless landscapes, whatever it might be. Let's just listen and watch this video for a minute. Listen, this is a faith interaction where you can see from God 
truth and revelation. So Lord, we invite you to come and speak to us. Would you open our eyes to the wonder of who you are? Would you lift our gaze to the glory of who you are? And would you, in some miraculous way, give us something of a grasp of your infiniteness that would cause us to worship and wonder at you? Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. The reason we're starting, well, last week we just looked at God as weighty and wonderful. The reason we're starting with infinity, as with all God's attributes, is because it affects everything else. So as we come to see in this series, but also in another series, the fact that God is loving, kind, gracious, merciful, and He is infinitely. So, Psalm 92 states this. Before the mountains were brought forth, mountains speak of Stability, they speak of having been there, they're immovable. This is picture language from a limited human being. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Scripture just states it, it declares it, even with our limited tongue. Jen Wilkin, he writes a good book on these attributes. It's just titled, None Like Him. I'd encourage you to get it. She says this, The God of the Bible is infinite, immeasurable, unquantifiable, uncontainable, unbound, utterly without limit. We cannot take the full measure of Him, no matter how hard we may try. We cannot confine Him to a physical or mental boundary. We cannot control Him, and we can never stack up favorably beside Him. It's true. He is infinite. He is immeasurable. So how does the Bible then express this? <laughs> if you can't grasp something on God, how do you, you begin to express this infiniteness? Well, let's look at some verses. So in Job chapter 11, verse 79, you can turn there quickly, but it'll be on the screen. I'll get through these verses. His friend Zophar is counseling him, and he says this, Can you find out the deep things of God? Can you find out the limit of the Almighty? It's higher than heaven. What can you... Where can you go? What can you do? Deeper than Sheol. What can you know? Its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. David praises the infinite God of God's greatness. Psalm 145 verse 3. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And His greatness is unsearchable. Solomon acknowledges the limitless of God. Building of a glorious temple. 1 Kings chapter 8. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you. How much less this house that I have built. So what this series is a lot of is just describing God to you as best as we can. Often our preachers will be quite heavy on application because we believe that God's word should affect our daily lives. And this does. But we just start with layering truth on truth to help you from whether it's your job or whether it's your weariness or whether your body's aching or whether you're thinking about your kids or whatever whether that's today or every day, just to think on God and His greatness. You can't find out the deep things of God, ultimately. There's no way you can go. You can't measure Him. While we can't measure God, He, however, measures everything. <laughs> he has the measure of everyone and everything. So it says in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 12 to 13, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Think about all the waters. <laughs> Who's measured? There's a bit of irony in these verses, I think. <laughs> Who's measured all the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span? Oh, no, that can't get out. 
He's marked off the heavens with a span. Enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed the mountains in scales and hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord, or what man shows him his counsel? So you have this great contrast that God is this, and he measures, and he has a measure on you. So whatever's going on inside right now, God's measured it in every way. In our thoughts, in our minds, in our hearts, our physical bodies. And yet he is totally immeasurable. He measures. You look at it in the Bible. I mean, why does God give so much detail about stuff? He measures arcs, tabernacles, temples, cities. He numbers the hairs on your head. You can pull one out. I do this with my son. I pull one out. He's like, he still knows the number of hairs on your head. I'm telling him it's tough enough as well. And I pull another one out. He still knows the number of hairs on your head. It's okay. And then he gets fascinated and starts pulling them out himself. Anyway, he numbers the hairs and he numbers the stars and the grains of the sand. He specifies the length of our limbs, the size of our head. He numbers our days. And if God is the one who does that, Therefore, we must say that everything that he boundaries, he does so perfectly. So God is the one who measures all things. He does it perfectly. So when you think about the glory of God, what should our response be? Well, I think first we say, how? How do we get the infinite of God? And I think then we say, wow. And then I think the only appropriate response is the bow. Should we do that together? I like Romans. Can you say how? Uh, wow. Uh, wow. Uh, just like last, when we just talked about the grandeur of God last week, we talked about Isaiah's experience where he said, glory, woe, grace, God. When it comes to infinite God, I think we just have to say, we don't get it. How? But we say, wow, and then we bow. However, you and I don't always bow, do we? You see, in that list of attributes in the table, What's fascinating is we are called to reflect God with the list on the right, but the list on the left that should only be true of God and we can't reflect Him in, our instinct is not to reflect Him but to rival Him. Because ever since the beginning of creation, we have tried to be God. We have tried to rival God. So in the Garden of Eden, the serpent comes to Eve and says, if you have that forbidden, she could have everything she wanted. Unlimited. Adam, they could have everything. Unlimited. They were limited to not having one thing. This fruit. Because God said, ultimately it will make you know more. Be full of divine knowledge and revelation. And have something, a capacity that I'm not sure you can handle. And so the servant comes and says, did God really say that? But he knows that you will be like God if you have it. So in our human nature, we like the one thing is not allowed. <laughs> I want it! <laughs> and ever since then, we have tried to rival God in every single way. We love to measure everything. So how do we rival God in his infiniteness? Well, I, I was reading just this morning. Have you heard of life extent extensionists? Have you heard of life extensionists? So there is quite a big and growing movement of people, there's always been, but increasingly so, of people who want to extend life forever and ever. We've seen it in movies, but there are organizations now, you can call them immortalists or long, longevists, longevists, I don't know how to say the word, longevists. 
It was in the, as an article in The Guardian. These people sleep on electromagnetic mattresses, thinking it will help them live longer. They take up to 150 pills a day. Mortality they want is to become optional. So there's a guy called James Stroll, who has set up the Coalition for Radical Life Extension. To prepare his body for centuries long, he has fasted. Oh, that's a typo. I won't tell you what the typo was instead of fasted. <laughs> Glad he didn't say that. <laughs> You could replace the S with an R. There you go. He fasted, he juiced, he's cleansed. And there's another guy, he reads newspapers upside down through a mirror to prepare his mind to be able to handle being alive forever and ever and ever. They want to cure aging. Do we have any longevists in here? We want to, as human beings, rival God in his infiniteness or maybe it's to rival our limitedness because we want to be like God. We measure everything. People and places. Okay? So a child in the earliest days they measure their limits. Have you ever watched a child? You can play with every toy in the oven. Don't touch the plug. How long does it take them to go for the plug? Why? There is this thing in us that needs to push against our limits. We measure people's character, don't we? You meet them. How strong was that handshake? Depending on the context then. What are you wearing? What subjects do you talk about in terms of your knowledge? We, we try to get the measure of each other, don't we? Why do you do that? When we come to voting, we try to get the measure of a political opponent. Not just their policies, but their character. We measure ourselves. Am I rich? Am I smart? Am I clever? Am I... Wise. We measure everything and we tend to do it to compare ourselves. Or we measure it so we can control something. That's the essence of why we measure everything. So we can have some sense of control. We surround ourselves often with people we measure favorably against. We go for jobs. Now, not all of this is wrong. We go for jobs that we think we've measured it out and think, I will have a favorable. Not all of it is wrong, but deep inside of us, we need to measure everything. And we put others on a kind of pedestal to live up to a measure that they are not. We expect a spouse or a partner or a friend to be infinitely good, infinitely wise, infinitely perfect, infinitely loving, infinitely romantic, infinitely faithful. And we are devastated when they don't live up to being infinitely like that. That's why we have something called the honeymoon period. I'm not just talking about marriage, you're talking about everything. There's a honeymoon period because everyone is really nice. And it seems that their niceness is without limits. But over time, we realize that they are limited. Their patience can only last so long. Their generosity can only last so long. And it is true of us as well. Jen Wilkins says this, Measurement is the millennia-old obsession of a limited human who, perceiving his own limits, seeks to transcend them by quantifying the world. That which we can measure, we think we can, to some degree, control. We are line crossers, boundary breakers, friends jumpers, carrying inside us a warped belief that our heavenly parent wants to withhold from us something that is needful or pleasurable. Even as we enjoy his good gifts, we feel a hyper-awareness of the boundaries he has set. And when we question their validity, because we have to, something inside us, though he gives us 19 gifts and warns us away from one danger, we suspect that what is withheld is not dangerous but desirable. And anyone ever seen the movie Hoosiers? Oh, Hoosiers, Hoosiers. It's an old movie, and uh, a small time basketball team have uh, got a great coach, and they are hugely successful. 
and they go to these playoffs and they're in a huge auditorium and the players walk in like this and they are utterly overwhelmed. And so the coach gets a tape measure out and he measures the distance from the hoop to the ground. It's the same measurement as their gym back home. He measures the distance for the free throw line and he measures all the distances to show them it's exactly the same as their home patch. And you see them go from, huh, I'm overwhelmed. But now we've measured it, I can conceive it, I'm okay. It's a lovely illustration of why sometimes we feel the need to measure things. Because when it comes to God, he's overwhelmed. How, how, how do I grasp him? And we walk in like they do to the stadium, we're like, God. And instead of learning how to live with, wow, we, we want to boil him down to something measurable. Nothing wrong with wanting to know God and to understand His traits. That's not what I'm saying. But spend this week asking Him, what about God can I not grasp? And how do I respond to that? What does it do to me? God is infinite. You cannot control Him. In Exodus, some more verses, 15 says this. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? There is none like Him. Psalm 113, 5 to 6. Who is like the Lord our God who is seated on high, who looks far down on the heavens and the earth? So what is our appropriate response when this other God, well, Psalm 90, verse 12 says this. Teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Who's heard that verse before? What do we think of when that verse comes to mind. And I, I, I think these are right. So teach me to number my days to realize I've, I've, I've got a finite end. I've got a limited time so I can be wise in how I live my life now. I think that's a fair, good application. I only have so many days, God, to honor you and glorify you before eternity. I want to use my time wisely and give a good account for my time. The other one, the other aspect of it is to understand your days are numbered. They will come an end to my time. I am a finite being. And wisdom is the fear of God. And when we number our days and realize they will come an end, we understand that we are limited. We understand that we are bounded. We understand that we are small. It breeds humility and the fear of the Lord. We live in a day and age that as we age, tells us we have to fight against it. Have you wondered why we age? And why our bodies face more and more limitations as we come to the end of our time? I think it's meant to breed a greater hunger for the infinite, for being with God, where we are broken free from these limitations and so we can truly be with Him. But we have embraced the way you glorify God is not breaking free of any limitations and being this amazing conqueror, it's embracing the limitations God has given you. That's how you glorify and honor God. I'm not saying you are limited. <laughs> if God's given you a wonderful mind, your limits are over there compared to mine. And you are to be the best that you can be. However, embracing God-given limits is how we glorify Creator as creatures. When we try to be the Creator, that's when we start getting in trouble and we make it about ourselves and my glory and my honor. So don't hear what I'm not saying. <laughs> not saying is don't be the best that you can, don't push the limits in learning and what, whatever it might be. However, teaching ourselves to know. When was the last day you thought of growing old favorably? Because it meant you were getting closer to Jesus. 
how I am in Yiddish. Try, try to do this with uh, humility and understanding. <coughs> and I think it's a Western problem, primarily, because people in other parts of the world, death is around the corner for most of them, most of the time. And so they've got to reckon, reckon with what will happen when I die. Do I believe Jesus is glorious, or do I believe death will rob me of enjoyment in this life? It's both, it's both true, but which one overwhelms us? I'm going to go and get to be with Jesus. And then that's life. Or I'm going to miss out on the enjoyment of this world. That bit's true, and we agree that. But it's not the dominant thing that should invade our hearts. It's that we are going one day to be with the infinite one. So in terms of thinking about application in some of this, I think we do say how. I can't comprehend your infiniteness. I mean, even this preacher is hard to grapple with, isn't it? You're just talking about God not being measurable, and. But I do think our response is, wow. So as we come to worship a bit later, as we have communion. <laughs> I mean, communion. Isn't this the infinite God coming down and living in a finite way in some way? He chose to. As we come to communion, it's an infinite God embracing human limits and succumbing to death. As we come to communion, it's infinite God of infinite power laying down his life and willingly being spat at and mocked so that one day you could have limitless life. Communion is reminding us about this infinite God who measured your sin and he poured out infinite grace. And he's doing it right now. Your breath, your vague awareness of God, even dealing with your oh this guy's preaching rubbish and or my thing of like oh I'm rubbish or I'm amazing this is wonderful or all these things he's pouring out infinite grace it's about an infinite God who can't be contained in a temple yet he chooses to dwell in you the Old Testament, which is this physical often, and really graphic explanation of what is the true reality for many of us now. That was, that was awesome. That's like, hey, this is awesome and this is powerful. As we come to communion, it's the infinite God who's here right now, and who was there last night, or last week, or ten years ago, when you were dead. The infinite God was there, present, again. We're going to pray and we're going to, we're going to worship. And I want, I want you to share communion with me. We're remembering the infinite one who chose limits and came. And I want to encourage you this week. Some questions, we'll put these on our website for life groups, but so you can start using you for them. What's your emotional response to the fact that God can't be measured? Does it overwhelm you? Do you just think, oh, that's obvious, what do you think? How do I actually get to know him then? Isn't that a question? If I can't measure God, hey, it's the miracle of the Holy Spirit dwelling in your heart and cries out within you, Abba Father. 
How does my son know I love him? <laughs> I don't have a contract. He can't, he can't measure the love I have for him. What, what would he say? He might describe some things. He hugs me. He kisses me. He cares for me. But at the end of the day, he's just got to throw his hands up and say, I just know that he loves me. Do you know God like that? Do you just know? And you can today. If you've been a Christian for many years, then you can, I'm, I'm not sure I know, but I just love. God loves me. Today, when we pray for you, you can be freshly filled with the Holy Spirit. You're deep inside you. It's just like, oh, yes, yes. Can't comprehend it. What's going on? I don't even understand it. You might even have these objections, but the Holy Spirit bursts that in you. How have you attempted to take the measure of God? What limits have you placed or wanted to place on his character and will? He's loving but not holy. He, he, he's loving but not a judge. But some of us, it's the other way. We just see the wrath and the judgment and we don't know that other way. How have you wanted to put limits on God? He's king of my calendar but not of my wallet. He's king of my time but not of my weekends. Um, he's king of my lips and I praise him but not my eyes and what I watch. He's king of my public life at work, but he's not behind the doors where no one else can see it. What limits do we put on, on God? What God-given limitation or boundary do you most want to rebel against? <laughs> How is that boundary for your good <laughs> or for God's glory? What person in your life needs to accept his or her limits? What person in your life needs to accept your limits? How might you set loving boundaries in relationships of expectation? Listen, if you are begging new to this church, if you've been around for a few months, we, you will get hurt in church. Us as leaders, we will disappoint you. We try not to, by the grace of God, less and less so. Church is filled with broken people finding glorious hope. It's not filled with perfect people. And if the people think they're perfect, it's going to cause more harm. Your spouse will let you down. Your parents, younger ones, will listen. In all the glory of all the goodness, people are not God. They are limited. When we put them on pedestals, we crush them and we are utterly devastated because they're not God. It doesn't mean we don't view it as wonderful. But stand, stand with me, will you? Let's get our communion ready. I want to start peeling the little plastic off the top. It's a bit tricky. I look forward to the day when maybe it's more suitable. Some would say now when we can share a loaf cup together seems far more biblical but I don't think it's, it's everything everything is Jesus so I just wonder if you would still yourselves and just be attentive to what the Holy Spirit has put on your heart this morning do you think God's love is limited and it doesn't cover your shame no no it's infinite and it covers everybody's shame you think you've got the grasp of God, but you realize I'm filled with pride. His grace fills you. His holiness is infinite. You can't trifle with God. So where in your life are you willfully thinking God can't see, God doesn't care? Cry out for him for his infinite grace. And turn to him, repent and as we break this wafer, we're remembering the infinite King of glory who chose to become fleshed human and was beaten and bled, gasped for air, was betrayed by his own, 
was misunderstood so that you and I could one day taste infinite life. And it begins now. Thank you, Jesus. As we drink the wine and the juice, a reminder that Christ's blood was shed and that's a symbol of cleansing for our sin. So right now, any way that you know you are rebelling against God, cry out to Him for mercy. Infinite God who knows infinite things, knows you better than yourself, poured wrath for every sin, past, present and future upon Christ on the cross, who was God Himself in limited human form, whilst being fully God, embracing the judgment for all our sins. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! That a limited man. My 15 second testimony is that I was insecure and alone. And I met Jesus, encountered His love, came to know God as a father. And now I am secure and live a purposeful life. We all have a story of how His blood it's cleansed us. The Bible says once and for all. It's an infinite cleansing. Nothing can undo it ever. We remember you, Jesus. We're going to come to worship. If you want some prayer, grab someone you know who came with. It would be a privilege to pray with you. If you want to come and grab myself or Al or one of the other leaders. But anyone can pray with you. Bless you. Let's worship you. You might want to sit and be still. You might want to cry out in joy. You might want to jump up and down as you realize the limitlessness of his love for you. What would you have been without the limitless love of Jesus? I'll be an alcoholic from a broken family, third, fourth generation, but for the limitless grace of God. Hallelujah. You might want to just sing. Lord, we invite you to these limited minds and hearts. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord, that we would know that we know that we know that we know that God is. And we would know your love and your affection. Ask him now. Invite the Holy Spirit. Just God coming to dwell in you and make all things real that you know. Just shine lights on them. Come Holy Spirit, we must have you. We don't want to leave today just thinking that was a nice time. Uh, my mind was stirred a bit. We must meet with you. Come Lord. The world offers good speeches. There's volumes of good thinking, but we must meet with God. Come, help us. Holy Spirit, this day, leave us not alone. <laughs> Open the eyes of our hearts to comprehend the breadth, depth, length, height, width, magnificence of the love of God. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. Let's worship.